0: I just got a text from a friend talking about how luscious your voice is. Really? Because- See, I told you. <laughs> last week, Lucy says to me, This is just the Annabelle show. And I said, <laughs> And then you said to me, My friends will tell me how your voice is and how funny you are. And I said, Yeah, that's what my friends will tell me about you as well.
1: Yes, I got one. What did I get? I, sit- I got a luscious I voice.
0: Our friends are sick of us. They're not going to talk about us. So no. We know why they're...
1: My friend's us. not going to be like, Lucy, you have such a luscious voice. They're going to fixate on your voice. But the great thing about it is we bring such variety to this show with our voices because they're getting the American. They're getting the upscale English, you know. Upscale? <laughs> the high it's society... Oh, God. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I listen back to our episodes and I just am lulled by Annabelle's gorgeous voice. So it's nice to hear that I have a few fans out there, too.
0: You've Got a lot of fans. Can we talk about um, last week's episode? Have you gotten any flack for it?
1: I was so nervous this whole week, waiting for the other shoe to drop, as they say, from last week's episode, which was out of control. I got... A little comment saying that we're getting a little too saucy for our own good. Did you get anything?
0: No, everyone was just like, yeah! <laughs> I know.
1: I think people like it. you say we were
0: too saucy for our own good? My mom. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, of course your mom said that. My mom, too. She was the only one. When I was like, I said I was a black supremacist, she was like, Annabelle, no.
1: <laughs> everyone that I've spoken to, thanked me for it and got a lot from it and they're feeling a lot of the same ways
0: yeah I had that as well I also had a lot of responses to the beginning of the episode talking about friendships and letting go and henbecking people and all that kind of thing about people kind of looking at themselves and being like that's something I do and then people also looking at other people in their lives and And me saying that I was pushy or mother hen or whatever, however you want to phrase it. I had a woman reach out to me and say, that's it was interesting to hear you talk about that because that's the way that my mother is. And, you know, hearing it from your side, blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting. I like how we get feedback from both sides. And I like that people aren't afraid to kind of say, in the Mm -hmm. way that we aren't afraid to say what we're saying.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And we encourage the interaction people do interact and they're not afraid to do so and everyone in my experience thus far has been really respectful and kind and just balanced in their
1: interaction i like the kindness that people interact with and the fairness yeah and hearing each other out i we've gotten a lot of messages from listeners this week and we, we love getting all these interesting points of view and you sharing your, your life experiences with us. So please keep contacting us and reaching out and connecting and, and we'll keep interacting and it leads to other conversations.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I guess I was thinking about what to talk about next.
1: It, it does. Yeah.
0: Can you hear my leaf blower? Yeah. Can I just say, while we're taking this break for the leaf blower across the road there, uh, death penalty to leaf blowers and people who use them. I don't, just,
1: no. Fills you with a rage unlike any it other. It gives me a
0: rage I cannot describe, and I don't know what it's all about, but in UK, I don't think we have leaf blowers. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember. Like, we have something called a rake. You should try it. It's <laughs> silent.
1: <laughs> yeah, how has your rage been lately? After about
0: three weeks of just feeling pure anger, I feel so much better, I am not uh, an innately angry person and it's not a place that I like to be in, it's not a comfortable place to me, it's not something that's exciting to me. I'm a very peaceful, joyful, (laughs) the garbage (laughs) truck is here. Do you want to start over? (laughs) I mean it's funny a little bit because I was talking about my rage and then I got angry because the garbage truck pulled up. So <laughs> So after three weeks of being full of rage, really angry all the time, which I have been. Me and too. It's a part of of grief. Uh, is that I think there's like two anger stages. You know, obviously I'm always gonna have anger about the situation I'm in and uh, yes. the loss of my husband and my best friend in the car accident, the whole thing. Like obviously I'm gonna be annoyed about it to say the least Mm -hmm. um strongly annoyed strongly annoyed and inconvenienced I'm not always gonna feel like I did for the last few weeks and now that it's over and it's kind of passed through me I didn't really realize how bad it felt until it was over and I kind of feel like I've just been pushing against something for three weeks and then I've just flopped down on the floor kind of and just in a pile it kind of felt like this is a weird thing to say (laughs) Uh, that with me i always do have you ever been really violently ill like throwing up yes uncontrollably
1: yes projectile
0: physically felt as though i've just been you know that feeling of when you're throwing up uncontrollably and mm-hmm. you, and when it's over, you're just like, oh, and you're sweating and mm-hmm. you're thirsty and you're exhausted and your body's depleted. That's kind of what that experience was like. Yeah. You know, I always make these strange comparisons between emotional things and physical things. I'm a very physical person and I think maybe the type of person I am, somebody who does like to do boxing to get that anger out, or has had eating disorders, self-harm, all that kind of thing. There is a type of person that has to physicalize emotions. So that's why I do that. I think that's why I explain things in that weird way. Just imagine an angry troll rummaging around the world for three weeks, just throwing up everywhere. Mhm. That's how I felt. So that's been fun. And now that it's over, I feel very tired. I'm very relieved and glad that it's out my system and I think with all the chat that we had about anger and, and letting things pass through you and getting mad and all of those things that all really helped me because I was able to face it and confront it and I think anger can be quite a shameful reaction for a lot of us it's not nice to be angry you know you're meant to rise above it and take the high road and all of those things. You can't always do that. And in this extreme situation I'm in, I I couldn't, and it's not the healthy thing to do. So just got to let it rip, I let it rip. I think what ended it for me was to say out loud, I'm angry at Ryan and Max. And I think the reason it went on for so long was because I was really resisting that feeling. And I was really resisting admitting that to myself. Because I don't want to be angry at them. And I I am. I'm angry at them. I don't blame them. And I'm not... I could never blame them for a mistake. You know, it's it was a mistake. Yeah. But I think it's natural to go, well, you didn't need cigarettes. And, you know, you didn't need to do this. And you didn't need to do that. And all of that stuff. So I think once I kind of admitted how angry I felt towards them, I was able
1: to move through it and on from it.
0: It's not nice for me. I don't want to feel angry towards anyone, let alone them.
1: We spend a lot of time in denial about our anger, and that's really harmful to our lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah, very. I mean, it just eats away at you, and that's why I think I felt the way I did and why I felt so violent feet just uh, just it, it was
1: a violent feeling yeah because it was and trying so- to come out it was purging that anger and then by yeah. by acknowledging it that's all it wanted that's all our emotions want They you all don't i wanted that's all yeah people I,
0: I was finding it hard to give that to, to myself
1: You don't need to change anything about the way you're feeling. I think that's the mistake we make is we don't know what to do with these feelings because we feel like we shouldn't have them. Like you said, like they're wrong. You judge your anger, so you push it away and you try to change it into something else, but it doesn't need to be changed. It just needs to come to the surface and it needs you to go, hello, come on in, sit down on my couch, stay a while. Would you like a cup of tea? And when you invite it in and you make friends with it, you realize, oh, okay, there's nothing I need to fix or change. It's Mm -hmm. fine. And it just wants to stay a little bit and be acknowledged and then it'll leave.
0: Yeah. And with that, I think, as we've said before, don't believe everything you think and feel. Just because you feel something... Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's sticking around. Like you said, maybe it's just passing through.
1: Um, it's all just passing through.
0: Yeah. So I think that that's important to say that again. I don't know why I feel that's important. I just
1: I just think it
0: is. I think it's important to remind myself and ourselves that you know, like last night, I woke up at three in the morning, and my sister and I always talk about this all the time because she wakes up a lot in the night as well. And she I don't think she'll mind me saying this. Okay, so she wakes up naturally, she doesn't like to have a lot of sleep, but she also wakes up because she has ghost visitors. Okay. (laughs) She's had them her whole life and they're the same people and they stand over her bed and wake her up.
1: Wow. For what? Do they want to party?
0: They just are there. They just (laughs) staring. I know, isn't it strange? Same people. It doesn't matter where she goes or where she is, they come. So anyway, she wakes up a lot in the night. And we always talk about how, you know, when you wake up in the night and everything feels crazy. Mm -hmm. And you feel – I woke up in the middle of the night last night. First of all, my nephew left the toilet seat up, so I fell in the toilet. And so (laughs) great. (laughs) The joys of living with men. go right in there first of all I found the toilet and then I got up and I was like (laughs) and then I lay down in bed and it was quite hot here yesterday and everything just felt huge things that I know logically aren't huge felt huge and overwhelming and I've gotten really good at going Annabelle it's the three in the morning scaries yeah you're not gonna feel like this when you wake up you're just not. You will not feel like this. And I woke up and I felt fine. But it was really powerful for me to do that last night, especially because last night when I woke up was the first time I forgot. Wow. Because a big part of all of this for me, as you may remember, I think I may have said this earlier on in this season, is I had a really big fear of waking up and forgetting because – I didn't want to have that first feeling again. And it was the first time I'd woken up and not reminded myself, this is your situation, this is where you are, this is what's going on, don't forget what's going on. And it was just as I had fallen into the toilet a bit, I pulled myself up and that's when I went, ugh, where am I, what's happening? Oh my God, oh my God. And that's what sent me off the deep end. But that's when I had to really, really remind myself you're not going to feel like this in the morning. You've made it this far. You've got through this much. You haven't died yet. And you're not going to die tonight because of this. So.
1: Yeah. 3 a.m. So is really. I'm just saying
0: that because of the don't believe everything you think.
1: thing. But. Right. Yeah. It will pass. And that, that, that. That middle of the night's really hard for me too. I wake up and the scariest demons are with me and everything is so scary and overwhelming. And I don't know what that is about the middle, the middle of, of the, the night. Is. I what
0: that is. There must be something behind that. We should look into that because- I know. Everyone has it. I don't, I don't know what it is. You can look at it right now. Yeah. If you'll allow me the
1: honor of- Yes. Wow, Annabelle looking something up. Commercial break. <laughs>
0: We sleep in cycles of 90 minutes to two hours long. And it's perfectly normal to wake up. Most people aren't aware of these cycles. You wake up, change position, then go back to sleep. The evolutionary reason for those awakenings is to check for danger. Really? Looking out for predatory animals. We have evolved to wake up and be on red alert. For a normal sleeper, if they have a stressful day, work, or are managing something... Challenging in their day-to-day life rather than slipping seamlessly from one sleep cycle to another. They tend to fully wake up out of the cycle and can wake up with the feeling of dread and in a state of fight or flight. So there you go. Question answered. Evolution.
1: Interesting. We are on the lookout for danger. Ready to fight at any given moment. Mm Mm-hmm. That is sure how it feels. (laughs) Because we're so vulnerable when we're sleeping.
0: So anyway, that's how I'm feeling about my anger. It's past. I'm feeling relieved. Last week was hell. It was Max's birthday last week. And I really wanted to be, like, "Mm, happy. And it's his birthday. He wouldn't want me to be sad. But I was sad. I felt really sad. It was a shit day. I just didn't even want to eat dinner. I didn't want to... I just wanted it to be over. And I wasn't expecting to feel that way because I've been quite good at overcoming those things and finding the joy and being balanced and, and trying to kind of come at things with a bit more peace and things. But I just couldn't on that day, I, I couldn't. It was, it was hard to be at my house in LA and I just kept thinking to myself, the house should be full of people. It, sh- mm-hmm. it was like I could hear the noise that should have been there mm-hmm. and instead all I could hear was nothing
1: it was really painful really really painful I really painful. It was you know I've been thinking about you these last two weeks because my cat died two weeks ago on a Saturday and Saturdays are excruciatingly hard for me And I I was reminded of how you spoke about Thursdays being so hard for you because the guys died on a Thursday. Yeah. And that has started to transform for you, but I'm in the thick of those fucking Saturdays. Yeah. And this panic comes up. It's...
0: Yeah, it's not even a conscious thing, is it? No,
1: it's not. It's like your body, the imprint of what happened on that day. Yeah, I think so. Every week that's come, and I'm about to have the third Saturday, I go through the whole series of events again.
0: Well, it won't last forever, but also I had to make an effort to stop it. So once I realized what was happening, I had to have the discipline to go we're not going to wait, do that I'm doing this every thursday yes this cannot be every thursday yes so in the morning i wake up and i go it's thursday Alrighty, let's keep it moving yes and you don't let the first domino fall down because if you let the first domino fall down then all the rest are going to fall down ah uh, you want to remove the second domino because if that second domino falls then all of the other dominoes are going to fall so you wake up in the morning You take the second domino out, it's Thursday. That first one's going to fall, but it's Mm going to miss the others. You just acknowledge it, like we were just saying about the feeling coming through. It wants to be acknowledged. You face it for that moment, and then you just got to keep it moving. You're not burying it. You're not pretending. You're facing it, and then you're just going to...
1: I will try that this week.
0: Yeah, (laughs) because it's
1: exhausting. It is. It is. Yeah, you know, been... today
0: is a Thursday, and we started I know. recording on Thursdays.
1: Yeah, we did. We
0: started recording on Thursdays instead of Wednesdays, and that was one of the things that helped me kind of mind over matter it a little bit because I had to pull it together to do this, and so it passes, but you have to make it pass. Yeah. Free to tell you,
1: I've been moving real slow these last couple of weeks, so you put in the notice for your house Mm -hmm. which is going to be a massive change for you and for all of us how's that going
0: um it feels terrible unfortunately i think while i'm not being forced out of the house i i just can't justify The expense Mm -hmm. and I love my house I love how I made it I can't I can't justify it that's the thing it's it's such a lot of money every month and and if it wasn't for that I would I would probably keep it longer because I don't feel quite ready yet but I've got Ryan's voice in my ear (laughs) Telling me
1: it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when you yeah. told me that, you told me that that was gonna that was now in the works. It. I've been thinking a lot about home, and we touched on it in a previous episode, talking about creating that wherever you go, and it got me thinking: what is it that creates a home? because wherever you go next, you're going to create your next home. What is home? Is it stuff? Is it the people? Is it the actual building? Is it a feeling? What is home?
0: So I get really attached to buildings, really, really attached to buildings and places. And I wish I wasn't like that because It has made things easy for me. I wish I could be one of those people who was just like, nah, fuck, it's just a house. But, you know, for instance, with my family home, Grenville Hall in England, I feel like I'm made of that building and it's made of me. I feel like I'm in the bricks. And the thought that we may have to let it go, which is a whole another conversation. We, we may have to let that house go is, is so painful to me and such a unbelievable grief, truly an unbelievable grief for me. And I know that we can create that energy in that environment that is so special to Granville. It's always been a place where people come. We've always had people coming through. We've always had people staying and living there and, It's always been full. My whole life, the house has been full. Mm. And we've got chickens and ducks and horses and nature and all of this. And it's just really special. People feel safe there. People come there from all over the world to to just be. And my mum's garden is beautiful. And, you know, it's on the South Downs. It feels very... There's an ancient... spirit to to it and it's a very healing place I want to believe that we can do it somewhere else I just don't I don't believe that we can with that one I think Granville is a is a once in a lifetime place and I know that we can take that energy and we can take that love and and that vibe anywhere but I think that sometimes it's both. I think sometimes it's us and sometimes it's
1: more than just us, yeah, you know. And it's all of it, isn't it?
0: I think it's all of it. You know, I, I can say for Weldon, the place where I live now in LA, that's us. But, you know, there are other complications to it for me. It's, it's easy for me to let go of that building, that shell. It's just what happened there is what I'm attached to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that ultimately
1: home has to be you. It does. It has to be the self. Did you ever get that? Always.
0: You're in in your house and you feel homesick for a place that doesn't exist.
1: Always. I've always struggled with that. Always felt that maybe it was a past life thing. Some strange things happened to me. It still happens. This has happened forever. I will be touching clothes and I'm showing on the, on the camera that we have, I'll be folding clothes, doing this and I'll stop in the middle and I will have this wave come over me. This physical thing happens where I feel so homesick that I can't breathe. Only then do I realize that I was touching clothes. So it's something about the clothes for me ties in with this utter alone, utter seclusion and isolation and such deep homesickness for a place that I'd never been when I was two years old and my dad left the house when my parents got divorced, my mom would walk in and I would be sitting on the floor and I would have taken all my clothes out of all the drawers in my bedroom. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know, maybe I saw my dad packing to leave and I wanted to go too, so I was getting my clothes out. My str- I know, it is sad. My stress came out in that situation as taking all my clothes out. I don't know why. I don't know well,
0: what- Well, I mean, then that's what it is. It's not a past life,
1: it's this life. Yeah. That's really sad.
0: I hate that
1: story. But I don't have any memory of my dad exiting my life. So I've always searched for something else that it could be, but I, th- that's that's what it ties back to for sure.
0: Are you sentimental about clothes?
1: I hate clothes. I hate clothes. I don't like shopping for clothes. If I walk into a clothing store, I get a headache and I, I can't shop for clothes. Can
0: I be a personal shopper?
1: Please. <laughs> Put me in a bookstore. I can, sh- I can, you know, shop all day. But I really don't enjoy clothes. I don't enjoy dressing myself. I, I hate all my clothes. I've got a closet full of clothes, but I never have anything to wear that I feel good in. I know
0: know this is is one of my passions really people. Yeah. One of my passions is well clothes is a huge passion for me and making over people's wardrobes, organizing them, creating outfits for them with what they have, figuring out what they need and piecing together basically their own personal kind of capsule collection of outfits that they know that they can wear Mm -hmm. And then they get used to those and then they know, start knowing how to bring other things into that look. And then they start learning how to build their own looks. And it's something I love doing and I've done for so many friends and family.
1: And I would be obsessed to do that. for you. (laughs) I would really love that because I don't enjoy it at all. I know. Luckily, I know how to dress my body because look, here's what happens with girls we see something on another woman and we think, Ooh, I want that. If you look on the street, if you look at people, they are completely blind. It's body dysmorphia because they don't know what they look like. They're just slapping on their body what they've seen somebody else wearing. And they're totally unaware of what works for their body. So luckily I think I have a pretty good grip on how to dress my body for being 5'2", 110 pounds, I'm short. So I need to wear long, slender lines as much as possible. I can't wear a, pa- a high-waisted pant that cuts my torso even shorter than it already is. I have to show long lines on my body. Patterns don't work for me because I'm short. Patterns work better on a taller girl who can handle that. No. Depends on the pattern. All right, well maybe it's just me then. It's
0: not a tall short thing, it's not a fat thin thing. It's it's literally the dimensions. You could be 52 and like I have a, quite a long torso for somebody that's 52. My dad had really long legs and really long arms and a really short torso, but he was 52. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, it totally depends on the proportions of your body part yeah. more than your um you know, size, whatever, but helping people find their personal style, a true passion would love to do that.
1: Also, me. what was hard was when I went from red hair to blonde hair, I couldn't wear half my clothes because they looked better on a redhead. So I just started wearing black every day <laughs> until, yeah. until I could figure it out. So yes, thank you. I would appreciate the help. Uh, Let's do that before you jet off to be the widow of Amalfi, which you may... If
0: the world ever opens up again. I know. But, But anyway, being attached to and sentimental about clothes, I am massively attached to and sentimental about clothes, hugely. Like, for instance, this dress is my mom's dress from the 90s, I think. And then my sister had it. And now I have it. I love hand-me-down clothes because I like that they've lived other lives, especially if it's somebody that I know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I when my dad died and we went through his house, I look back now at the things that I took and I find it really funny and interesting. Like, I have a pair of his boxer shorts, which I know is really strange, but... I find them to be so comforting to wear them. I have a pair of his winter pajamas I absolutely love to wear. And I have a a t-shirt that I had given him when I was maybe seven that said 100% me on it. And I remember buying, really wanting to buy it for him because I thought, wow, my dad's really unique. I remember thinking that and this is perfect for him because he's really just 100% himself and he's so unique. And he had kept it well that time and it, did. Was in, it was in with his pajamas with this specific boxer shorts and, and pajama set that I kept I didn't really keep much else from that a couple of things but my mom will throw things away or my sister will throw things away I'm like no you can't throw that away because I remember when you wore that on stupid stupid stuff but I how so interesting my dad's I
1: didn't know you do that with clothes clothes yeah
0: that denim that huge denim shirt I wear all the time with my dad um it's the most comforting thing in the world to me I have actually the clothes that my dad died in yeah I wear the jeans that he died in a lot and um
1: and that's incredible Yeah, I have a brown shirt of my grandfather's. He died of Alzheimer's and at the end of his life he would wear this brown shirt every day and I didn't know if it was because he had forgotten that he wore it the day before or that he just really loved it but he wore it every day for like a year and Mm -hmm. I I still have that. That's a very special item of clothing to me.
0: Yeah, I think there's so much comfort that can be for me personally taken from from that and One of the things with Ryan that really upset me is that when they cremated him, they didn't give me the clothes. And I don't understand why, but it's my understanding that he was cremated in his clothes. But I really, really wanted those clothes. I really, really wanted them. I wanted the jumper that he was wearing desperately. And... I'm kind of devastated that I don't have it. Also, he was wearing my dad's belt. That is really frustrating as well because I lost that as well.
1: I'm sorry to ask um, this, but was he cremated in the clothes that he was wearing when the car crashed?
0: I think so, yeah. Okay. I think because, and so if this is going to upset anyone, I'm just going to let you know. I'm just going to talk about the crash a little bit. The He was pronounced dead on the scene. Mm -hmm. So he died immediately in the crash. There was no... Immediately he he was gone. Mm -hmm. So there was no suffering or no... Anything like that, first of all. And it just meant that he couldn't be resuscitated. Whereas my dad, they desperately tried to resuscitate him. Mm. So they would have had to take my dad's clothes off of him to do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas there wouldn't have been any interference with Ryan's body. He would have just been taken straight to the morgue, yeah, and then straight to the... we had him then taken to the crematorium. So, you know, with my dad, they would have ripped off his shirt, taken off, cut, you know, all of that stuff to try and resuscitate him. So I think maybe that's why. I think maybe the reason I didn't get the clothes back is because he just went like that because he was already
1: dead. Oh, the God, they should have checked with you. That is so... I
0: know. I don't, I'm really confused about it. I'm really confused. I should look into it because... Maybe they're somewhere, but I don't think they are. I think that they
1: were on him. Um, I don't understand why you would cremate a body in clothes. That doesn't ugh, make sense I to don't me.
0: Know. I, I, I haven't looked into it yet. I mean, I should, but I haven't. But I really wanted that jumper. Um, but it's okay, you know, whatever. It's not. It's not. It's not the uh, definitely not the thing to be focusing on. But
1: well, you it- with your dad
0: leaving, pulling out all of your clothes I think is so significant and is most likely why you have that feeling when you're emerging through clothes
1: yeah i think I so i love
0: putting my dad's boots on i actually post a picture on instagram of me in my dad's boots when i was a little kid because he would put his boots on to leave yeah, <gasps> i'll put my boots on too you know and i'd
1: same as you, it's- yeah that leaving is really powerful we have these behaviors that come out we're talking about the home, and I'm excited to see where you go next, Annabelle, because I'm excited for you to build your, your next home from this new Annabelle that has emerged since the crash. And I've always learned a lot about myself when I move into a new home, because the way that I create it teaches me about what I like and what I need to feel safe and centered and th- this home that I'm in now means so much to me. At the same time that I say that, if it burned down tomorrow, I'd be completely fine. So it's not that we are clinging to these things. It's just that they mean a lot to us. So if I look around here, it's it's books. I you know I collect old books. So it's it's the books. It's it's my grandparents' letters from World War II. It's antiques. It's it's lamps, it's it's my teacups, it's my teapots, it's cooker, it's stuff in the kitchen, it's my copper yeah. piece, my copper pieces, my my rugs, my crystals. I really like all that kind of stuff more than clothes. Yeah. And now Ivy's here, you know, Ivy's ashes are here. So there's a, a little shrine I've built, and there's all this special stuff, and a home is the self first and foremost, that's where your sanctuary is within yourself.
0: I mean, it is, it absolutely is. And I, I had to, when I began to address that feeling that I used to get of feeling as though I was homesick when I was at home, I had to do obviously a lot of work on it. It's such a confusing it was thing. Oh, it's so confusing. It's, it's the most awful feeling because you start thinking what's, wrong with where i am am i not where i'm meant to be stop thinking all those things and i used to get really bad fear of the night so it's around dusk i used to get really scared and lots of anxiety lots of fear and we worked on that a lot because i it was interlinked with that feeling of being homesick for me not knowing if my dad was going to come home I didn't really have an evening routine as a child. A lot of different things, a lot of
1: different things like that. You didn't have um, an evening routine as a child?
0: No, not really. I would frequently just fall asleep on the couch, and we had, like, a very loosey-goosey kind of thing. I mean, maybe during school time I did, but even then I think – Frequently, I would just fall asleep with my head on my mom's lap mm. listening to the, her watching the TV, and then she would carry me up when she went up.
1: I'm very grateful that I had some really Im- important routines in place by my mom and my stepdad, Jim. One was bedtime. Every night, same time, you know, bath or whatever, and then get into bed, and my mom would read me a book. Every single night without fail, and oh. the funny part is, she would do it in an English accent. <laughs> That's so funny! Well, why did she do that? I don't know. She would do this English accent, and she would just play all these different characters. So my love of story, yeah, my love of storytelling is so intense from that. And if it wasn't a book, I would say, "Tell me a story about when you were little." I loved hearing stories about when she was little. Aww. So that was every night for me. But then the other the other thing was dinner every night. Sit down dinner, home cooked by my stepdad, no television. Well, we weren't allowed to watch TV when I was growing up anyway, so no TV, just folks you are. I know we weren't. Sit down dinner, family talking, amazing home cooked meal every night of my life, and I ha- I thank God for two. I don't know if I'd be capable of that as a parent because my life isn't structured like that. But I'm really grateful that I had it, and so that's wild to me to hear that. Yeah, no
0: really, no real routine.
1: What about uh, dinner time for you? You would eat in front of the TV a lot, and we didn't have
0: we didn't always sit down at the table. And it's something that I think is really important. I rarely ever watch tv while i eat dinner now and you know just saying like my mum was a single mom so she had no help we didn't have nannies there's no so she's just doing everything on her own so this is not like shit on my mum or anything but
1: no not at um, all not at all
0: every parent is just doing their best yeah. it's how she was raised she was just raising me how she was raised um and I think that that homesickness feeling was very interlinked with just a feeling of insecurity, which is what you're describing about the clothes. Mm -hmm. You, it kicks up when the clothes come in, which is you feeling insecure Mm -hmm. um, and unsafe. And that's what it was for me. So I would go to bed at night and I would either fall asleep on the couch or... Frequently, as I said, our house was full full of people all the time. So we would have people coming and going and we would have guests. And there would be people in the house who I, as a child, didn't really know and didn't necessarily, I now understand, trust, or feel safe around. So it was hard for me to relax at night. And...
1: That makes total sense. That's so interesting. And obviously,
0: like, on, on tour as well, I was raised on tour and we would be falling asleep at the restaurant in a pile of coats we would be falling asleep on the bus we'd be falling asleep backstage so you're kind of always on alert as a child when you're in that situation and you'd never like your sleep schedule gets disrupted because you don't go into your REM sleep and you're you're being moved around so go out to dinner I fall asleep at the restaurant. Okay they move me from my chair into the pile of coats. Okay. From the pile of coats into the hotel room, you know, and none of those things are home. Mm. So, so there's that. I had a really
1: different upbringing because I didn't grow up with my dad. So it's fascinating to hear my
0: dad, but I grew up being either at home with my mom and that kind of communal type of living situation or, The communal living situation of touring with dad Mm -hmm. and mom would come sometimes but
1: your mom stopped coming on tour when you were eight
0: yeah i pretty much had to fend for myself and you know it as they say it takes a village and a lot of people would look out for me the other people in the band the musicians the roadies there was always an eye on me but it was kind of you know not like my, my dad's not putting me to bed at night i'm taking myself off to bed so I began to create routines for myself, you know, which I look back now and I see it was like, I would listen to the same CD again and again and again, at mm. night, and I would just put it on repeat. So that would be a routine I would have, or I'd watch the same movie, or I'd watch the same show. So even as a child, I was attempting to create routines for myself. Mm. As I got older, and as I went into that therapy to deal with that feeling of homesickness, which is connected to all of those things, that's when I realized the importance of having a routine. There are little signifiers of bedtime for me is my bubby. So my hot water bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it a hottie, wottie, body, Hotty body, my lavender oil, my nighttime tea, putting my lip balm on. And
1: I put the lamp on before it gets dark so that That's so important to me. If if it, it's sad. It, it happened to me last night, if I'm in a room and the sun goes down, it gets dark and there's no light on, I lose my mind. I hate it so it's, much.
0: I think it's that dusk for me. It's the transition between night and day, and the dusk is beautiful, but it bring it can bring. If I'm in a you know wobbly place, it can make me feel really really deeply sad me too So I prepare by putting the lamps on
1: so that it doesn't so sleep. important
0: oh <laughs> yeah I like
1: so, candles. yeah so candles
0: kind of my signifies that it's bedtime and and sleepy tea is another one that I will have the sleepy tea and you know those are my signifiers
1: I really want to hear from people this week I really want to hear what everybody does for their own little routines because I know we all have them will you will you all write to us please and let us know what you do it could be morning your morning routine your whatever what helps
0: you feel balanced what helps yeah
1: and and also about the home what what helps you create a home for yourself no matter where you are what things are important to you to have in your space what does home mean to you Annabelle, I think I'm saying this on purpose because I want you to have as much support as possible for this next chapter of your life. You're free right now. And I know you have a lot of ideas about what might be next. And it's very difficult what put you in this spot of letting go of the current home that you have. But I want you to hear from people. Of what is home, because remember you shared with us that you created that that room for yourself in your house, yeah, and and the you don't room. and you don't feel so connected to it. You feel like it served its purpose. So I'm yeah. just really curious uh, as to how your space is going to be different.
0: Well, here's the thing. I first of all, thank you for saying that. It's very sweet, and I want to. I want to be on board with what you're saying so much. (laughs) Intellectually, I know that what you're saying is right. But it hasn't dropped down into the body yet. Yeah. I waited for that home for so long and everything is just how I wanted it. And I waited so long and I made sure everything I put in there was, was just how I wanted it. Nothing came in unless it was what I loved and it was the first time in my life I'd really thought about what do I want it to look like in the kitchen? And what chairs do I want? And it wasn't just me patching things by. It was, it was, I want this to be exactly what I want. I don't like the handles on my dresser. So I'm going to get some new ones and i got those brass things things. And, and I just made attention to every detail. And I, I love my house. I love, it looks beautiful. And, you know, we had the first viewings of it last week and this woman, this young couple came in and <laughs> just obliterated me. It really did. It obliterated me. It was so much harder than I thought having, having somebody else come and, and look around. And I think also because it was a young couple, they were our age and the husband was a producer and the woman was just like you've made it look so beautiful in here. it just looks so everything is just perfect I will not change anything and I don't think I'll ever be able to make it look like this and it's such a sweet nice thing to say and I, and I agree I think it looks really good in there and I'm proud of what I did I don't know it just hurts it hurts me so much it really hurts me so much and when they left I went and stood in the kitchen and just like braced myself for a second because I could feel the tornado coming Mm -hmm. and I said out loud you've made it look so beautiful in here and it just like destroyed me I don't know it's I know I'll have another home and I know that I can create something new
1: somewhere else that's what I wanted it's a lot it's a lot to let go of
0: yeah that's that's what I wanted that's the home I built and that's the home I wanted and I know I'll be happy somewhere else and I know there's things to look forward to and I know I'll enjoy and I've even enjoyed making this room that my sister's where I stay nice for myself and that's given me hope that it will feel nice to do something else and as I've mentioned to you we're talking about building a she-shed in the garden that's basically going to be like a studio apartment for me here and I really want to do that and I feel like we have to do that because I need to have something set up for me to move into I need a space I need a building you know I need something I need like a capsule to be in Mm -hmm. and you know, we joke and we call this room, you know how I call my bedroom here, the morning suite. And, you know, I need somewhere to go after this. And it's the first time in such a long time since doing all that therapy and working on home being in me and creating the routines and structures that make that feeling of homesickness when you're at home go away. I did that. I made that feeling go away by creating the little structures and the patterns and knowing that I can take those things with me anywhere I go. Yeah. And I love myself and I create the habitat so beautifully that it doesn't matter where I go, I can do it. Yeah, I'm strong enough. I trust myself. I love myself enough to do that. But since learning that skill, this is the first time I've been challenged in that way of now the building is going now and the life and everything to do with it, everything that made it home apart from me is gone. And I'm wobbly because I don't know if I've taught myself well enough to do that. I don't know. We'll find out. And I, and I'm sure I have, and I, and I need to trust myself more and have faith. You know, I've come this far. It's just very, very confronting and very challenging. And I, yeah, I just don't know if I've, done enough push-ups
1: to carry the load. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly how you feel your your home has been ripped out from under you in a sense and I went through that my what? my home was ripped out from me be- against your will against my will because I had a stalker come after me and it was very dangerous life or death I consider it a near-death experience because it was And that was my favorite home I'd ever been in. I had created it perfectly. And everything you're saying, I had, it was what I had worked for, what I had dreamt of. And then this happened and I couldn't stay there. And that was, uh, it was really hard and I was so angry. And I was so lost. I didn't know where to go. I didn't feel safe anywhere. I still struggle with with PTSD from that situation. I could be in a room full of people that is surrounded by armed guards, and I'm still watching my back.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what PTSD and trauma does to you. You're, You're on alert in every situation that you're
1: in. So when I left that home and I found my new place, it's meant more to me than any anything ever to, to create a place where I feel safe. <sighs> and I didn't have that knowingness before. Yeah. I've been in situations where I wasn't in a safe place and I had a bunch of roommates and people would be coming and going. Kind of sounds like what your childhood was. <laughs>
0: For me, I love that. I love living in a community. I know
1: you do. And you grew up that way. You grew up like a traveling gypsy in that way. That's an amazing way to grow up. And it's really made you gravitate towards that communal community thing. Yeah. I had kind of the opposite. Nobody ever came to our house. We were very private. And now I take privacy very seriously. I take mm. yours very seriously. I take mine very seriously. I respect people's privacy. And if mine is not respected, I'll choke a bitch because you, yeah. don't, you don't fuck around with people's homes and their privacy.
0: Well, that's very important for you because of the experience that you've had. You know?
1: The experience I had made it personal to me. But mm-hmm. always before that, I remember standing one day at my uncle's house and... I had gone to my car to get something and the gate was open out to the street. And this, you know, Hollywood sightseeing bus pulls up and I turned around. I stood there in that driveway and I flipped my middle fingers up until that gate closed and I ruined all their pictures. And well, it probably made their pictures better, actually.
0: So can you just say say why they were there? uh Because...
1: Oh, it, It's well, like your
0: uncle's not just like Jim the Baker No, my
1: uncle's not Jim the Baker. My uncle <laughs> is in a, a little band called The Beatles. So, you know... a peace
0: <laughs> and love, peace and
1: love. I'm warning you with peace you and love. You
0: should have warned them. You should have fucking warned them with peace and love
1: to fuck off. I warned them with a uh, little more than peace and love. But... I think those bus things are so demented. They I'm are
0: evil. i up to somebody's house and looking at it and being like,
1: my God. And can I just tell you that they're lying? Because I took one once with some friends who were from Indiana. And so I got on one of those stupid buses and I rode around town. And they'd pull up in front of a house and they'd go, and here we have... Bruce Willis's house. And here, right next door, lives Demi Moore. And everybody's taking their pictures, and I'm just going, "Uh, no, they don't live there. I know Demi, and she doesn't live there. There's
0: a house around near where I used to work, and the buses would always stop going and be like, this is Bruno Mars' house. And it's like his niece lives there or something
1: because he bought the house. It's like, he bought... I know, I know, but I didn't want to burst the people's bubble who I was with. So I kept my mouth shut, but... I've always been disgusted by this privacy thing. And now, yes, it's become very personal to me. I've gotten in fights before with friends. On Facebook, you can check people in somewhere to a party or an event. You can check them in when they arrive. This girl I know was doing that to me. I said, don't you dare check me in somewhere on Facebook. If I ever post about where I am, I do it after I've left. Don't you ever do that to someone else without their permission. You don't know who is looking at them. With social media, it is a jungle out there, you guys. Be careful, because people are watching, they are.
0: I never gave a shit about any of that stuff until I met you. And then when I started thinking about the fact that you had a stalker and the stories that you told me about, and I was just like, Because I'm always like, I'm here doing this. Here I am. <laughs> it's like, come and kidnap me. And I don't do it anymore. I don't do it anymore because you not shit out of me. You so can't. the
1: living shit out of me. Everyone and has also, to be careful.
0: I never really thought about other people's privacy either. I mean, I do it with my family and stuff. My family and friends are always giving me shit because I'm always like secretly filming them and whatever. But I'll, I'll usually post it later now and... I'm really aware of like what's in the background, what's going on, who's there and all that stuff in a way that I never was before. And I think as you were raised with a lot of privacy, I wasn't, not just the way that my mum raised me at Grenville and the house and tour bus and all of that where there's no privacy in the tour bus, but also my dad, as we've discussed before, like your dad had security and you had, you know, assistance and all this kind of thing. My dad had nothing ever he never even closed the gate on his property he he would give people his phone number you know he he sent a vibe out there of, i'm gonna put it all out there for you and you're gonna respect me you're gonna respect that i've allowed you this and it's almost like the thing of lying down on the floor in front of the dog or something and, and submitting to them and and hoping for mercy i think is basically
1: what my dad did. Believing the good in people.
0: And him,
1: And I hard. like living that way. I think that is the way to live. It is the way to live. However, when it happened to me and somebody came after me for my life, uh, I, I, I changed my stance on that.
0: Yeah. I think just now, well, now having this conversation, it's really making me think about... I've been so focused on the logistics of moving and the trauma of, of letting that one place go I think I really need to focus on how I'm going to handle the next step and prepare myself massively to inhabit a new space and I'm going to have to stick to those routines and I'm going to have to really really kind of nest externally in whatever my next environment is but also nest internally as well so that I'm not kind of sideswiped by this experience because I think, you know, if I try and move forward in time and I, you know, I've done this a million times in my head, I've, over the, since the day that the crash happened, I've been imagining taking things off of the walls, emptying the cupboards, throwing things away. You know, last time I was at the house, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to fill up a giant trash bag with things. And some of those things were Ryan's things. I, I can't take Ryan's shaving cream with me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Would I like to? Would I like to just keep everything as a museum and memorialise everything for the rest of all time? Yeah. Max's bathroom cupboard, as I had shared last week in my group chat, is I love going into Max's bathroom and opening his cupboard and... They didn't empty that when they came and took his things and his fake tan
1: is in there. His self-tanner cracks me up. There's like
0: three different types of fake tan.
1: I've opened his, his cupboard and seen that out. a couple of times. It makes me laugh every time. It's so well, funny. I threw
0: one of them away.
1: I kept one and I
0: threw one of them away. But, you know, I like to go in there and look at it and I, I touch the things and it's silly maybe. I don't know. But I've thrown things away and I've imagined the movers coming and I've done that part. But I think now having this conversation, I'm realizing that I need to start visualizing coming home to wherever is next that day, whether it's this room in this house or how, what am I going to do that evening? How am I going to wake up the next day and start kind of visualizing that so that it's not just a drop off and blackness after I move that day and put shit in storage or whatever I'm doing, but there's not just blackness after that I mm. need to start mentally preparing for that week and that day and that night and, and, and visualizing it so I can move into it with a, a little sense of safety and 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 preparedness and a tool that I find really really helpful is when I have something coming up on the horizon that is scary for me and it's been a masterclass since the crash in that All of this, you know, I I think I remember discussing in one of the episodes, me preparing to have Ryan's things returned to me, the ring and the watch and the phone. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of practice of imagining the ring in my hand, putting it on my fingers, feeling it, running it across my lips so that when it came, it wasn't a shock to me. And that is a tool that I have found to be unbelievably helpful in my life in general. And since the crash, it's helped me hugely is almost like a meditation laying there and walking through it step by step and doing it multiple times until I'm used to the idea.
1: It works. It does work. I've been doing that since Ivy died with getting her ashes back, which I did the other day and walking yourself through that, practicing, practicing how it's going to look on the shelf. Yeah. Building a structure that will move you, that you can step into.
0: Yeah, I think it's, That's a nice way of putting it. Building a structure or building structure for whatever the next thing you're stepping into in the next phase is. In the way that you have been left with that essence of that feeling of when your dad would leave and you'd pull your clothes out, that essence has lived on in you. And when you're folding clothes, you get that feeling again. That works both ways it does so the feeling can remain but you can also create the feeling mhm and that's what we're talking about here is 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 creating that feeling getting used to it absorbing it what does it touch like what does it taste like what does it sound like okay and then building the structure for where that,
1: that's going to exist when the time comes so that you understand um, how to step into it
0: yeah and i think That that's going to be probably more important than it's ever been in my life ever in in the coming weeks and and just a great tool for everyone in general for anything I use it for doctor's visits. I think interesting.
1: I do it before for stage for a performance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I honestly think that it's a practice that can be applied to almost anything. Yeah. We can- Have you ever heard of EFT, this tapping thing? No. It's a tool that is used in therapy and it, basically it's on your acupressure points.
1: Here, Top of your head, forehead. Yeah. Temples. Yeah. Here, here. And net. then you finish here. Huh.
0: And you talk yourself through the thing as you're doing it. And you do it as many times as you need to until huh. you feel it's time to stop. I'll put a thing about it on the Instagram, EFT. It's a really, really good tool. If you find just plain visualization with no physical key really hard, EFT is a great uh, thing to do.
1: Everything we're saying about these bedtime rituals, about grounding yourself, <laughs> about routines, about visualizing something, you know, before you have to go through it. I'm seeing so many different aspects of home. Throughout this conversation, and I'm really excited to hear from people to hear their thoughts and hear what they create at home because I want their ideas. I want I no, want I more need, ideas. I need help. <laughs> I need help with my clothes. Annabelle needs help with her new home.
0: How can I? What do you guys do if it's different from what we've said? Yeah, is there anything that you guys do that makes you feel safe, grounded, relaxed at home. And that might be something that we can all share with each other as a little, I don't know, just a little helping hand, a little tip for other people that maybe feel similar things or are going through similar things to what we've discussed
1: here today. Yeah, we'll share it. We'll share it next time. I'm really excited to hear from everybody. Group assignment. Group assignment, homework.
0: And we can maybe read some of those out at the top of next week's episode. Or we definitely will. We'll plan for me. We could just share them as they come through.
1: Sure we'll share them during the week and we can touch on it next week and
0: we can make a little highlight called
1: home. Yeah well I can't wait to come have a housewarming party at your new she shed in the garden.
0: Great it'll just be you and me because there's gonna be <laughs> no room for anybody else. Is it one of those tiny houses?
1: Yes. It's not
0: like a- Not like a super mini tiny house, but it's going to be... I think it's going to be maybe 10 by 12 foot. So I'm going to (gasps) have... Okay. One thing I will say that I'm excited about my she-shed, other than having my own space to cry. To cry! Is I'm going to be having a four-poster bed. Really? Yeah, I've always wanted one. And I'm going to... My sister's changing her bed and she has a four-poster bed and I'm gonna, we're going to spray it white and I'm going to have all drapey things and it's going to be honestly the princess bed of my dreams. I can see that. I can see the bed, I can see all of the cushions and I can see the linens and the drapes coming down and I can see the sun coming through them and that is one thing I can picture in my structure for the future.
1: I can see some flowy purple flowers around it, too. I'm seeing purple for some reason.
0: You want to know why? Why? Purple is the color of grief and mourning.
1: Oh, well, there you go. It can be your grief shed. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm done with grief. I'm just kidding. Morning, mourning grief is enough. It is a happy princess castle is what it's going to be with your four-poster bed. Are you going to have a moat around it? Should we look into that?
0: Maybe I will. A
1: drawbridge? Yeah.
0: You can't fucking come in. Drawbridge. I've just got like a little thing. I'm "Ah." A little crank. (laughs) Side. I am going to have a little garden to the side of it. And a meme did come up on my Instagram feed this week of an Airbnb... Where you can sleep with a mini pony and its little stable door in its head comes over where your bed is.
1: Okay, stop it. I'm going to have so much fun with this. I love miniatures.
0: Uh, So maybe, I don't know, maybe I might do that.
1: Oh, my God. We're going to create a mini kingdom.
0: I'm going to plant some things. I am feeling hopeful. I'm feeling
1: optimistic that this could be good. I have to decide what I'm going to get you for a housewarming gift. Ideas. People, send me ideas.
0: A purple flower. A
1: purple single flower. Send me ideas, listeners, please, on uh, House Roaming. We're really
0: asking them for a lot. No, really.
1: (laughs) We need a lot of help this week, you guys. Come on. Send me ideas, seriously. DM me. Slip it into my DMs. Think miniature, because I love that theme. We need to keep it going.
0: I love miniatures, because why? Because
1: they're cute. Don't start on me with cute. I'm leaving. You can never leave. (laughs) I felt really bad the second I said that because we were talking about being abandoned when we were little. I'm sorry I said I was going to leave you. I'm not leaving. As I always tell you, what do I always tell you when I walk out of your house? I say, Annabelle, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving. You do. That's really sweet.
0: I love that you do that. I mean it. I love
1: you. I love you too, and... I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving. I'll see you next week.
0: See you next week.
1: Love you. Love you. I'm sitting in the airway <laughs> LA station Got a ticket for my destination mm. On a tour of one night stands My suitcase and guitar in hand Every stop is neatly planned For a poet and a one-man band Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home Where my thoughts are skipping home Where my music's playing home Where my love lies waiting silently for me